0: <laughs> Top hey,
1: so everybody Ringo here, here Beautiful
0: day in LA <laughs> Tom, moto,
1: chat, So uh...
2: Hi, 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 and hey, hey, (laughs) and welcome to another edition of Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles videocast. This is a podcast show that we do once every two weeks here, normally Monday nights as a live broadcast at 9 p.m. Eastern. This time, it's an exception. We're actually recording this on Monday at 3 p.m. because we have a special guest here in our studio, and um, we're going to be talking to him in just a few minutes. But first, let me bring on my regulars, Kid O'Toole, who you know as being the author of several books uh, connected with the Beatles, songs who are singing guided tours of the Beatles' lesser-known works, and also uh, the book with Ken Womack. Do I still have it here? I was ben. hoping to could keep it with me. <laughs> what is it called? <laughs> Fandom. 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 Fandom and the Beatles. Beatles. The Beatles. Yes. Also, she's <laughs> the author of Michael Jackson FAQ, All the Stuff to Know about the King of Pop. And um, she is the Queen of Beatles social media. No doubt about it. Michael Jackson, <laughs> the King of Pop, Kato O'Toole the Queen of Beatles social media. We've got royalty that we talk about here all the time on the show. It, how's it going?
0: It's going great, Ken, and uh, hello, Tom, and uh, hello, mi- mystery guest. We will, inter-
2: <laughs> <laughs> we will
0: introduce in just a moment.
2: <laughs> right, and uh, we also have, of course, Tom Lignotti with us. He is one half of the power duo of Two Legs, the Paul McCartney podcast, uh, along with Danny Nichols, and uh, the show is always putting out He's always putting out great material every single week in rapid fire, and uh, so many shows, so many great programs. Yeah. And it's a wonder he has time for us, Tom. Yeah, how you doing? Well,
1: well, Ken, I'm, I'm doing good, thank you. I'm trying to keep up, keep pace with you because you uh, know, you know, you're a, you're a busy man yourself. So busy, not as busy as you've been. Oh, please. Well, you're a youngin. <laughs> We okay him. well fair enough fair
2: enough but hello kids hello mystery guests it's good to be back <laughs> we also want to say that our regular joe mayo couldn't be with us he's been ill but uh, he is recovering and he'll be back with us shortly You can't keep a good man down no you can't that's for sure and our special guest this time is chris Engelhart, who recently was a guest on my uh, channel, my YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio. You know him for all the research and wonderful books he's put out on Beatles side projects. Uh, first with the book Beatles Undercover, and then after that, Deeper Undercover. <laughs> and now in unison. <laughs> there you go. Uncovered. And, hmm. um, you know, this is a side to the Beatles. That I'm fascinated with. And um, it all has to do with their work for other artists, either as producers, musicians, or songwriters. And no one has done more work on this subject than our guest, Chris Englehart. Welcome, Chris, to Talk More Talk.
3: Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to this uh, chat.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, there's so much amazing material through the years that the people (laughs) involved with for other artists, you never stop learning about it. Right.
3: no you don't and you know just when you think you've nailed all the the uh, contributions another one creeps up or another one occurs
2: <laughs> yeah and you've done all the detective work in this in this area <laughs> so, uh, you know no one's done more work on this than you and we'll talk to you about a lot of what's in your new book and talk about the whole process of how this whole thing started with you in just a few moments but as usual we have, the latest in Beatle news to get to. And as it's been three weeks since our last show. What? Yes. Three weeks? Wow. In that time, the word COVID has reared its ugly head. Mm. Ringo Starr had tested positive for COVID, had to cancel two shows. Then he was negative, resumed his current All-Star Band tour, but then he tested positive for it again and had to cancel the remaining dates of the tour. I'm sure if he can, he will try to reschedule these dates and here's hoping he's making a full recovery right now. Sean Lennon was in the middle of performing for four dates at the Stone in New York City for his new experimental work called Asterisms. After performing in two shows, he also tested positive for COVID and he had to cancel (laughs) the remaining two shows. Which he hopes to reschedule. And on his Facebook page, Gary Burr has said that he got COVID as well. Yes. Gary, of course, was a member of Ringo's Roundheads with Mark Hudson and has appeared and written written songs with Ringo since the Mark Hudson period. Here's wishing all three guys well. I
3: don't know if you know this or not, Ken, but Gary's brother uh, died of COVID. I didn't oh,
2: know
3: that. Yeah. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. About maybe a year and a half ago, or two years ago, right, right at the beginning of the of the pandemic.
2: Hmm. Terrible. Oh. Yeah, we have to reach out to him. He's such a good guy. And he is incredible talent. Really. We also have to report on uh, the death of Toshi Ishiyanagi. <laughs> he was Yoko Ono's first husband. And he was an avant garde composer who studied with John Cage in New York City in the 1950s. He employed random chants as a compositional technique and combined traditional Japanese instruments, also Western instruments, and electronic sound in his music. He was the founder of the Tokyo International Music Ensemble. And Ichiya Naji also served as the longtime artistic director of the Kawa- Kanagawa Arts Foundation. From the Associated Press, they had this to say, he was known for collaborations that defied the boundaries of genres working with Jasper Johns and Merce Cunningham, as well as innovative Japanese artists like architect Kish- Kisha Kurakawa and poet playwright Shuzi Terayama, as well as with Yoko Ono, with whom he was married for several years, starting in the mid 1950s. Ichiya once said in an artist statement, in my creation, I have been trying to let various elements which have often been considered separately as contrast and opposite in music, coexist and penetrate each other. Many Beatle fans and John Lennon fans are aware that Yoko was married to Tony Cox prior to marrying John with whom they had their daughter Kyoko, but he was actually Yoko's (coughs) second husband, Toshi, Ichiyanaji was 89. In fact, Toshi and Yoko were born 14 days apart. Toshi, wow. February 4th, Yoko, February 8th, 18th, both in 1933. Hmm. It's kind of ironic because we just interviewed Madeline Bacaro for her new book on Yoko. Right. And I was just saying in the book that Yoko had a first husband that we don't even know about, and he was still alive at the time. Well, sadly, he just passed away. Wow. Hmm. There's been a brand new music video that was created for Tatch which premiered on YouTube on October the 14th. I have seen it. Have you guys uh, actually watched the video? Yes. What did you think of it? It's an animated video.
0: It's, it's fun, but I think they could have done more with it. I, I think, you know, it would have been nice to have seen, I don't know. You know there could have been photos from the right. you know sessions. some of the photo sessions some of the the uh recording sessions i mean yeah it's fun uh but uh but i was kind of surprised they didn't go in that kind of direction i know? agree i think yeah. it was kind
2: of a, it
3: seemed like an afterthought
0: yeah
2: exactly the kind of thing that I think I'd watch once or twice, but not much beyond that. Right. (laughs) Um, It's basically a lyrics video. You got the lyrics up on the screen for all the words. It kind of has sort of a a psychedelic yellow submarine feel. That's the way that I felt when I was watching it. Hmm. But still worth checking out, it's on YouTube, the new video for Taxman. Julian Lennon will be signing copies of his new album, Jude, at the Amoeba record store in Hollywood. It's actually going to be tomorrow. I hope you guys are watching this in time, if you're in the area. (laughs) October 25th at 5 p.m. Details can be found at amoeba.com. And now on his website, he's offering his recent performance of his dad's iconic song, Imagine, as a white 7-inch vinyl record for $11.98. Pre-orders for the record will ship on or around November the 18th. The documentary Let There Be Drums, directed by filmmaker Justin Kreitzman, the son of The Grateful Dead's late drummer, Bill Kreitzman, is about to be released. It explores the art of drumming and what it it is in certain musicians that makes them want to be drummers and come up with the unique styles that they do. Are drummers born that way or do they become that way? It includes the last filmed interview with Taylor Hawkins, And also includes interviews with Ringo Starr and other drummers such as Stuart Copeland of The Police, Chad Smith of The Red Hot Chili Peppers, Mickey Hart from The Grateful Dead, Matt Sorum from Guns N' Roses, and others. It is set for a theatrical and TVOD release on October the 28th, that's this Friday, via Prime Video and Apple TV, followed by a DVD release on November the 1st, which you can now pre-order on Amazon. Some book news, The Beatles 100, 100 Pivotal Moments in Beatles History by John Borak. Hard cover right here. Mm. Just come out on paperback. And it's really a very good book talking about 100 moments in Beatle history, the group years, the solo years, that he feels were the most important. And he explains why. There's a new biography on the life and career of Peter Asher and that's due out November 15th, called Peter Asher, A Life in Music by David Jacks. Another book that looks very tempting comes from photographer Terry O'Neill called The Beatles, simply The Beatles. Also it says five decades of photographs with unseen images. Ringo was quoted for the book and calls Terry an incredible photographer and good friend. Amazon describes it as such. Iconic photographer Terry O'Neill worked with the Beatles across five decades, capturing the band at the beginning of their rise to the top and the solo years beyond. From recording sessions, rehearsals, and larking around town at the height of Beatlemania, to intimate (laughs) shots at weddings, at home, and on tour in the solo years after the band had split, O'Neill captured countless photographs, many of which are being published for the very first time here with more than 300 photographs and including quotes from Terry collecting his personal memories of working with the band. The Beatles by Terry O'Neill is a unique visual portrait of the story of John Paul George and Ringo and the music they made. And this will be coming out on hardcover format next March. Hmm. All right, a new Beatles exhibition called, Ladies (laughs) and Gentlemen, The Beatles, (laughs) Which will tell us how the Fab Four Invaded America and Influenced Pop Culture Forever will be running at the Grammy Museum Experience at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey from November 18th through June 25th next year. It will focus on the period from early 1964 to mid-1966 when the band caused pop music pandemonium in America. The Daily News is reporting that the curated exhibition will feature interactive displays and pop culture artifacts that were previously shown throughout other US cities and Japan. Wardrobe items worn by band members including Paul McCartney's suit worn at the group's 1965 Shea Stadium concert and a drumming lesson from Ringo will be shown alongside handwritten set lists, gold records, and concert uh, concert contracts. Beatles author and historian and our colleague and occasional co-host, Ken Womack, will be interviewing May Pang on November the 18th to discuss her new documentary about her relationship with John Lennon, The Lost Weekend, A Love Story. Ken will also interview authors Alan Cozen and Adrian Sinclair yes. on December the 14th to discuss their new book the mccartney legacy volume (laughs) one and mark lewison will be their special guest on march 30th i'm thinking mark is timing that with the fest probably come Mm. to america fine so all that's in store at this uh, exhibition gotta make sure i visit there maybe i'll be there with uh alan and adrian yeah i don't know my co-host andy nichols will be there he's looking forward to it okay cool an unpublished comics uh, strip featuring paul mccartney has gone on display at the liverpool beatles museum the, the half-finished storyboard by cartoonist nigel parkinson shows paul waking up and catching a bus before being chased by fans and it was planned to appear in the dandy the comic strip called the dandy As early as 1963, Paul said it was his dream to appear in the comic strip. This strip features famous lyrics from Beatles songs, including A Hard Day's Night, Ticket to Ride, and I Want to Hold Your Hand. The idea was never completed, but Paul was featured in the comic strips final issue in 2012, and Parkinson sent Paul two copies of that issue, which Paul said was brilliant. All right, uh, Ringo Live at the Greek Theater is going to happen as a release on November the 25th, Record Store Day. There will be four different configurations, a double CD, a two CD Blu-ray combo, a DVD, and Blu-ray. There's also an exclusive vinyl release for that day, for November the 25th. Only do- four configurations, only four,
1: huh? <laughs> <laughs> and you gotta get all of them.
2: Yeah. <laughs> if it's on vinyl it's five then right yeah that's that's five makes five. yeah okay and of course the big day this friday revolver coming out the box set and there'll be lots of shows going on that <laughs> yes <laughs> Things he said today my channel it'll okay. be revolver everywhere for yes at least a few weeks yep as I said, Chris Englehart is our special guest. He's the author of the new book, Fully Uncovered, which explores side projects of the Beatles, their work for other artists as producers, as musicians, and as songwriters. Um, when we were doing a conversation on my channel, I had said that for me, my interest in this all stemmed from initially the book All Together Now which mm-hmm. I think was the starting point for so many people, which Tom is always ready. You're gonna learn that <laughs> at every book at his disposal right there. But um, Yeah, and uh, when talking to you, I learned the same thing about you. This is where your interest in this side of the Beatles came from. Um, tell us about the whole process of how You put these books together, even from the very beginning, because obviously that was a good starting point right there with All Together Now. But for someone like myself, and I thrive on having news on all my shows, and I look for items like this all the time. For many years, the only sources that we had really were like Beatles Monthly Magazine, Beatle Fan Magazine, Good Day Sunshine. Later on, (laughs)
3: lessons.
2: my former co-host Steve Marinucci, who was so good at posting news on 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 the web with um his Abbey Road website and later Beatles examiner anything that he can find about the Beatles he would put on a daily basis but I'm sure there were times when it must have been hard to do this kind of research because so much stuff goes out there that we're never even told about so tell us about you know how this all started and what the whole research how how you went about going and finding out about all these releases as they were happening.
3: Well, it, it evolves from an, a number of different uh, sources and and different disciplines. I was fortunate enough or lucky enough to have a friend here in our community of Bay City who was uh good friends with Levan Helm. Mm. And as a result, I got to know Levan and the other guys in the band, and I told Levon that I was working on this project uh, that involved a lot of other musicians that I wanted to get a hold of to get their backstory on the day that they worked with the Beatle. Mm. And uh, Levon said, well, just call them. I said, well, it's not quite that simple, <laughs> Levon. I'm, I'm a nobody. You're Levon Helm. You can pick up the phone. You have a Rolodex. You, you have the, the contacts for all these people. He says, well, who do you want to talk to? So I sent him a list and he sent me a list and with phone numbers. And he said, just tell him, I sent you and you're a friend of mine. Uh And um, that sort of creates a referral system. You talk to one guy and he tells you something and then you say, well, do you happen to know so-and-so or how Mm -hmm. I could get a hold of so-and-so. Oh yeah, I got his number right here. So then you'd call them and then you'd get five more numbers. And then, so it was a snowball effect. You know, it was a cumulative effect of where, you built up this repertoire of of artists that you could go to and and ask questions and contact and um, once they realized that you know I was legit and I wasn't out to you know do stories on their personal lives but was fascinated with the music and the, the workings behind the scene and who the other players were who the producers were if indeed a beetle did show up and play on it sometimes they did sometimes they would say no <clears throat> that's that's just not true but other times they'd say oh yeah and then they'd, they would dig up the recording date or the studio and recall the encounter and the uh, the event so it was very much kind of a of a of a daisy chain effect of where you're you get a hold of one person, they give you five names, and you have five people. They give you each five names, and before you know it, you've got a pretty sizable uh, list of contacts. And, and initially, back in the days in the mid '90s, you know, re- the web was in its infancy, so very few people had websites or email, so it was all by phone. And um, you know, you you build a, a, a trust and relationship with these people. And uh, it kind of went from there to where I had this, this wide range of people that I could, whether it was producers or like Roy Sakawa from mm. Record Plant, who just loved my project and thought this is wonderful and invited me out to New York and we hung together and uh, became good friends and, uh, you know, then th- the doors were open. So
2: That's amazing, but still... I'm sure you run across side projects that you never heard about before to this day, you know, it, it's got to happen every now and then that one of the Beatles worked with somebody that you never even knew about. And- oh, I'm
3: sure. And you know, There's no question. I've missed some of those. I mean, I remember Harry Nelson telling me you'll never accomplish what you are setting out to accomplish because there's just too many sessions <laughs> that they just showed up right. to, Mm. late at night maybe they added something maybe they didn't but it's always a i have a group of people who are as as interested in this uh, uh area of the beatles careers as you are and i am and so they're constantly feeding me leads so um they're mentioned in the book uh, tom lamar is one of them uh, he's just he's dogged in his trying to search out a possible contribution somewhere mm-hmm. and of course you're always checking websites and you you have a network of people like you and mm-hmm. and other people that you talk to who uh say i you know i think i read somewhere or saw on a website or saw on a news feed where you know paul showed up at an after hour party with taylor swift or
1: mm-hmm. whoever
3: it might be and the private parties are really the ones that are hard to track down because they're private <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't know you know it might be 300 people at at some ballroom that's uh, close to the public and Paul will show up and uh, jam with the, the local band or right whatever. And so it's like, those are
2: tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you also do, uh, you decided to include in your book stuff that hasn't been released.
3: Oh yeah.
2: It made Absolutely. you just like to go that route too, because that opens up, you know, a can of worms. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah.
3: Yeah. No, everybody's, you know, on the edge of their seat looking for when that song or recording might get released, you know, and some never have been released and some, you know, I have a saying, especially with this revolver thing happening that, you know, all things must be released and it seems to be proving to be true. I mean, I have a pretty good idea now that they've tackled this technology of being able to separate out the four tracks, uh, that they will go back all the way probably to the please please me album. And, uh, do give it that treatment which is great for us
1: mm. you know? let hope <laughs> yeah i yeah.
3: think i not think it'll happen if we're all still around to, <laughs> to see him released but i mean it brings to mind the mccartney archives series i wish they'd hurry up that
1: but yeah yeah you know? i don't but, know yeah that's
3: how it happened it, it was really a matter of referrals all the way down the line and that continues
2: to this day Okay, before I pass you over to Kit, just want to ask you a quick question because she got some quotes in the back cover here. One's from Jeff uh-huh. Lynn, mm-hmm. one, George Harrison. Did they actually read your books?
3: Uh, Jeff loved my book and I sent the book to George and George sent me a signed. It's at the back of the book. There's a photo, an unpublished photo that a friend of mine took of to George when he arrived at Boston's Logan Airport in 66. And I sent that along with a copy of the book to George, and uh, at Jeff Wynn's suggestion, he said, go ahead, send it to George, send it to his house. <laughs> well, when I mentioned that to Louise and and uh, Linda Ayres, they said, oh, my God, that's the worst thing you could do.
1: He <laughs> hates beetle
3: books, and he hates people sending stuff to his house. Well, about six, eight weeks later, my photo came back in the mail from the office of George Harrison with a little ohm lapel pin and a little uh, uh, Sanskrit prayer. And my photo inside signed by George on the front and on the back with a little doodle on the front on the girl in the background's uh, photo. He drew a little doodle and gold pen. I didn't close the gold pen for him to sign. (laughs) And uh, you you can see it. And then on the back, he wrote, what a book, a massive job, G.H. And Lynn loved the book. He absolutely raved
2: about the book. Wow. Very nice. And if
3: you've ever seen his video, Mr. Blue Sky, there's a copy of my book on his bookshelf in the background in that video. <laughs> yes. Don't a lot of new news on
2: <laughs> YouTube. So Jeff
3: loved the book. Donovan loved the book. A whole lot of pretty much everybody I sent it to um, got back with me and, uh, and loved the book. So uh, uh, Eric Stewart was another one that really liked the book. And, Great. Yeah. Oh,
2: wow. wow. Okay. Very nice. All right, kid. I'll handle it over to you. Wow, those are some stellar
0: recommendations, my goodness. And you, <laughs> de- and you well, and you deserve it because I mean, this is this is an incredible uh, piece of research, and uh, you know, I loved the the previous uh, edition, and and this is uh, no uh, no exception. So, before I, I get into just a, a few individual uh, uh, stories that I would like you to expand upon. What uh, what are the new additions for, for those who haven't seen uh, this new edition uh, yet? What are the uh, new uh, new additions? Uh?
3: Well, what, there are, as I said, there are about 80 new chapters. Some are live, some are new artists. One artist that uh, Ringo drummed on called Beck Black right at the beginning of the, uh, the book is alphabetical. So she's up front, another one by the name of Glenn Aiken. And that's a fascinating story we should probably talk about and then there's uh, um, Martin O'Donnell and Michael Salvatore who's from the Chicago area that worked on uh, uh, the Destiny soundtrack with McCartney for Bungie the, the video games yeah. that's a fascinating story and we mentioned earlier uh, Akeem Charé and the for the soundtrack that Paul played on bass on some songs for on his soundtrack for Mood the film Mood Indigo that Michael Gondry directed. So that was how he became involved in that project. And Paul became involved in that project because Michael Gondry had uh, directed the video for, uh, I think it was Dance Tonight. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So again, it's all of these daisy chain referral, you know, not only on my end, but on the Beatles end, you know, it's somebody who knows somebody. And then that blues jam that they did on early days uh the video for sure. with johnny depp there's a great yeah. story in there about that and how all those guys had to audition for that and didn't know it was going to be for mccartney and all the great stories that mccartney told and apparently that jam was was very organic it wasn't uh, apparently pre-planned and they just decided while they were waiting for setups and shoots to start jamming and it's uh hmm. great stories from like the seven or eight guys that were showed up for that and jammed with McCartney these old blues guys you know
2: hmm.
3: oh. so that's a, a great story and there's just uh, all kinds of great stories uh Danielle Romo she's a Mexican artist and a, and a, a soap opera star in Mexico and uh, she was a Beatles fan and she was signed to EMI And when she was in Los Angeles at capital tower she said can you guys give me a paul mccartney song an exclusive mccartney song and they said are you nuts you think <laughs> we're just going to approach paul mccartney and ask him for a song for you and she says well if you won't i will and she went ahead and had her english isn't so good she had somebody help her draft a letter in english and she sent her bio and some photos and some of her recordings to mpl and in uh, london and paul sent her back a tape <laughs> hmm. <laughs> wow that which is, that happened is. to be uh, uh, Did We Meet Somewhere Before mm. but uh, which had been recorded years earlier with Wings right. for a, a movie soundtrack but Paul hadn't at that point released it yet and so he gave it to her and she sang it in Spanish and because it was sung in Spanish she had to change some of the lyrics uh, because they didn't fit so well you know tempo wise right. yeah, with, sure. uh, with the English <laughs> lyrics And uh, she released hers about eight or nine months prior to Paul's. And he released his version finally on a 12-inch B-side from uh, songs. I forget what album was out at that period. I think it might have been Flaming Pie or somewhere in that period uh, that his version finally got released. But hers predates it as far as, you know, an official release. So there's some of those in there. There's the live get-togethers. There's the... New artists, there's one chapter in there on a guy from Liverpool called Chris Mullen, who went, uh, he he didn't go to LIPA, but he worked at LIPA, uh, Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts in Liverpool. And as a result of knowing people there, got a private audience with Paul, a private songwriting session with Paul, and Paul helped him with the uh, middle eight on his song, Myself Fooling Me, Mm -hmm. which is available for download and uh, Paul wrote the middle eight and the story that he tells is fascinating because he said that Paul used to describe coming up with John with middle eights for songs by taking the song on a journey or a vacation where we would we would just go off in a completely different direction from what we might normally go in just to see where it leads us musically and then bring it back, you know, like a brief uh, uh, vacation or a fantasy and then come back to the main theme of the song. And so they, they adopted that method for Chris's song. And uh, Paul got up at the end of the session and says, you can keep that if you like, it's up to you. You can use it or not use it. He says, I don't need any credit on it. So Paul didn't get officially credited but uh, there's a picture of Paul and and Chris in the book taken at WIPA after the session. And He he recounts some really fascinating stories about he and Paul looking at a chart on the wall of the vocal cords. And Paul said, uh, I don't understand any of those terms. He said, do you understand any of those terms? He talked about the uh, cathedral across the way and how the Beatles used to smoke cigarettes there and, and smoke tea and, uh, and goof off and, 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 and drink beer after, uh, or between classes, mm. um, because wow. the WIPA is in the old building where Paul used to go to school.
0: Sure. Sure. Um,
3: wow. but that's a fascinating story. There's another LIPA artist that's featured in the book called Natalie McCool. She's from Liverpool as well. And she also had a writing session with Paul and Paul helped her, uh, write a portion of her song called America, which is a great song. So plug for that. So that's how these all come about. And, and that's, those are some of the new chapters.
0: Wow. And that's fascinating because you also get further insight into, you know, like you just shared Paul McCartney's songwriting uh, yeah. techniques. I mean, that is, that is what a, what a great piece of knowledge there. I mean, that, that uh, metaphor of taking the song on a journey. You yeah. Know? I yeah. Mean, wow. yeah. I wow. Yeah. Mean, that that's I mean that makes perfect sense with a lot of the songs that he and John wrote because they they did go into different directions and then would come back to the main theme. And, you know that is fascinating. And and another thing that I found fascinating about the book that I, I wanted to ask you about is you really get a sense of you know Ringo's versatility, for example, because mm-hmm. I, I was just amazed at the number of, of sessions that he played on uh, in such a wide variety of artists. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, for <laughs> example, uh, you know, one that caught my eye because I'm, I'm a big fan uh, was Manhattan Transfer. Yeah. I, I was shocked that he played yeah. with manhattan transfer um in uh, i believe it was let me get my notes here was 76 um in, uh, early in uh, in their career um uh, could you talk a little bit about how that came about i think
3: if i'm not mistaken that that, that album was produced by richard perry
0: mm-hmm.
3: and therein lies the connect yeah mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, that just uh, amazes me that, uh, that the play. And, you know, I mean, and then he then turns around and uh, I've heard this before, but then in 94 plays with Leon Redbone. You know, mm-hmm. it yeah. sings with him, Little Grass Shack. Yeah. In a
3: lot of <laughs> cases, I think this was right place, right time situations, you know, where, where somebody's recording, you know, uh, at the same studio at the same time, whether it's Tom Petty or Bob Dylan, and Ringo happens to be recording there. And so they together, or there's a referral or Bruce Sugar who's Ringo's engineer might be working with some other artist and thinking to himself, gee, you know this would be a great track for Ringo to play on. Uh. John Stevens who was produced by um, uh, Dave Stewart. So Dave says, well, let's see if we, we can get Ringo to play on this track. So they phone up Ringo and Ringo plays on the track. I mean, sometimes it's that, that simple and that uh, circumstantial. Mm-hmm. You know, it just happens to be right place, right time.
0: Yep. I mean, it just, real as I said, it, it just further, you know, drives home just, just how good of a, of a drummer he is and how we can adapt to different styles. And and just one more thing I wanted to ask before I hand it over to Tom is, um, it was really funny when i i was reading this again i would practically say out loud oh my god you know <laughs> there were just some shockers in here um you know for example uh you know george harrison playing on a hall and oates track
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> and that came about uh, as a result of of uh john oates was good friends with jackie stewart and of course george was as well and they both had a a passion mm. for racing, uh, formula racing, and, and race cars in general. And so that's how they hit it off. And then uh, 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 John Oates invited George to the session, and George said, well, I'll come to the session and play on your yeah. new album, but only if I can just be a player. I don't want to you know, right. be anything right. other than a player. And you hear similar sentiments from Ringo. You know, I don't want to be, you know, the featured artist. I just want to come in and play my drums.
0: mm mm-hmm. And, you know, and they, I
3: think the, the, the beauty of this book is it really highlights the generosity and time and talent that the Beatles are so generous with with other artists, whether they're yes. a list artists or whether they're virtual unknowns.
0: Yep. And they probably like the opportunity to just be one of the guys, one of yeah. the musicians.
3: I think that's what the all-star band is all about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they probably get tired at times of being you know a beetle or you know right. the you know ringo or george harrison the you know right. the legend. i mean they just want to be one of the musicians mm-hmm. so yeah and i i listened to uh the hall notes track as it was yeah i mean it was one that's like how did this fall slip under the radar for me and and listening to uh last time that track like yep there's george's guitar it's a great track track. it is and it's like yep that's unmistakable there there's that kind of slide sound so yeah just just fascinating well i just absolutely love this book and and uh i mean anyone who's a fan absolutely i mean anybody who's a fan of of course the beatles but at the solo years i mean this is just you know indispensable information right. i mean it really is it's,
3: it's a little bit of icing on the cake that i think a lot of Beatle fans in general overlook or aren't aware of you know they're mm-hmm. aware of the beatles career obviously they're aware of the solo recordings but this aspect of this uh, aspect of their career is uh, little known and that's why we went with the theme of undercover and yeah. deeper undercover and then finally fully uncovered because after all these years and back in the day, you know, there were contractual uh, uh, limitations as to what they could and couldn't reveal playing on. And for the most part, that's kind of gone away. And over time, through my books and other people's uh, research, their contributions have have pretty much fully come to light. Although, as you mentioned earlier, there's sure to be those ones that i missed or that we just none of us know about that sure. are either haven't been released or weren't widely uh, uh uh noted so
0: absolutely
2: on my radio show every little thing i always sneak in these side projects all the time yeah and mm-hmm. I've, I've enjoyed playing the last time in particular um kind of wish that george's guitar was was brought up a little bit more in the mix it seemed yeah a agreed but, um it's also cool to say Holland notes and harrison
3: yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and another one sylvia griffin um a relative unknown in the states signed to rocket records elton john's label when it was through george's association and, and friendship with elton that she got to meet george and i think it's one of george's most brilliant guitar solos ever i mean it's in the top three or four in my opinion as is like leave a light on with into carlisle which george right. is oh, cited is right. cited yeah. as one of his, his favorite his favorite guitar song. solos so right. and a lot of people just don't realize you know that 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 music is out there if you love george harrison's slide guitar work you're likely to find some of the best of that work on other people's albums yep
2: mm-hmm. absolutely we even know from the solo beatles look at george's work on how do you sleep yeah Mm -hmm. there you go or or don't look at it all right
1: Um, all right well chris i just want to thank you for these 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 books in my opinion are are gold um you know i was born in 73 so i didn't get to experience you know when the Beatles were together, but, um, you know, growing up and, you know, and discovering the music coming into the early eighties and, you know, watching the videos and, you know, just seeing little snippets like, you know, Paul in the uh, Tracy Allman video, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, learning about all the, you know, them doing other things. And Kit, you brought up a great point. You know, these guys don't have to do anything for anybody. And the fact that, you know, they continued to lend, a hand to a, you know, a smaller artist or, you know, a large artist, or, artist, you know, Lindsay Pagano to uh, David Grohl, you know, is just, yes. is, is just, is just amazing. um You know, and then on my show, my McCartney show, you know, I have 10 on, we do a, we do a thing called uh, a series called uh, a friend like you, where we talk about all the side projects Paul has done for other artists. And it's just, you know it's just so much you know and the guy doesn't have to do anything for anybody but uh before i get to that you know i was two years old when this book uh came there out talk is. about this talk <laughs> about this and how important this was for you starting uh this series of books
3: well shout out to our our buddy get uh, yeah. uh wally Pedrozic and 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 harry castleman who are the two that wrote that book and uh wally wrote the forward in in Beatles, uh undercover and uh but i not enough can be said about the uh the the uh path that he he set forth for for me really i mean if it had not have been for that altogether now book i uh i don't think i would have gone down the path that i went down so i him a lot Mm. and i think we all do
1: yes Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know, I, I mean, I, I, you're a first-generation Beatle fan, you you know, you experienced that and into the solo career. I mean, are you just as big of a solo fan as, as you are as, as a Beatle fan? I mean, what, t- talk about, you know, what was it besides this? Did you did you learn about a song that one of them played on that made you also inter- interested in writing these books as well? Or Yeah. Was it just, yeah,
3: absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And to me, when I look at the Beatles, whether it's the Beatles' music or the solo music, I don't differentiate. Never have, not in my in my ears or in my yeah. head. To me, it's the same body yeah. of work from the same bodies.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: And um, just because there's four of them, out to me, it was in. In sad as it was to see the Beatles break up, in many respects, it was a blessing for us mm-hmm. who love the music because we got four times as much. That's
2: right. Yeah. You know?
3: And with. <laughs> With the side projects, we had five times as
2: much. Right. <laughs> so oh, was that Ken? I said I have to hug him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Speaking Ken's language. Good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so the first book, uh, Beatles Undercover. Uh, you got a little gift at the uh, at the end is a little mm-hmm. CD. Uh, talk about that because I, I want to talk about John here in a second, uh, and it's featuring John, kind you know in a way on this because we you know we know John. You know, you left us too early, and didn't really work with a lot of other artists besides Yoko. Um, and we're going to get to one in, in after this question. But uh, talk about how this CD uh, came to be. In well, book. that
3: that CD really is the gift of two people, uh, Roy Sakawa primarily, who was John sound engineer and uh, owner of Record Plant Studios in New York. The mm-hmm. late great Roy Sakawa, he died some years back down in. Uh, Brazil where he'd been living and working for a number of years and a dear friend we became very close friends I miss him terribly I can see why John liked to work with him because he was a very gentle and unique and different character but Roy and I bonded for whatever reason and he had these recordings that John had produced for Roy's wife at the time Lori Burton Mm-hmm. Lori, if you check the liner notes to Walls and Bridges, uh, you'll see her name and you'll see uh, uh, another individual's name, uh, uh, Patrick Jude, <clears throat> and a band called Bomb that backed John one of those members were on Walls and Bridges. They backed John on his last live performance on the Salute to Sir Lou Great on, uh, mm-hmm. was it Slipping and Sliding? I think. Anyway, um, Roy had these recordings that John produced for not only Laurie, but for Patrick Jude. And uh, John actually liked disco. So at that time, he kind of wanted to give his production of these oldies and these covers a disco feel, which I think surprises a lot of people. But remember at that point in time in the mid seventies, disco was all the rage. Paul McCartney did, you know, Good Night Tonight, so he wasn't immune from, from dabbling in disco. Um, and I think they just liked the beat. I think they liked mm. the fact that it was essentially dance music. And, uh, but Roy had those recordings. And um, one of them was a song that Roy had written called uh, Incantation. And John met that famous Indian called Rolling Thunder at the time. And so John changed the lyrics and wrote about Rolling Thunder. So John wrote the lyrics to the version of, and there are several versions of incantations, but the the one one that Laurie sings and one that uh, the community apple or dog soldier sings, which evolved into the Bomp band, Mm. but um, which Patrick Jude sings on. So, but both of those versions, uh, the Laurie one is not on the CD. Right. You have, that's one of those unreleased ones I have that's, (laughs) Right, <laughs> that's, that's not out there and yeah. but uh john wrote the lyrics to incantation rewrote the lyrics okay. i should say so in addition to john producing those four recordings and there were more recordings there were about a, a eight or nine worth in total between uh uh patrick jude and laurie burton um john produced those four tracks as well so uh, that's how they ended up there and Yoko had to give us permission to use the incantation which on the final day that we were going to master that cd and put it in the book she granted permission
1: oh okay
3: so and I sent her a copy of the book and I got acknowledgement that she got it and she sent me Christmas cards hand signed by her uh, for a number of years and um she, How was she her, connected
1: to the CD or the, to the song that you needed permission
3: because John wrote the lyrics.
1: Oh, okay. Apparently I gotcha. Okay.
3: We, because of that we needed her permission.
1: Okay. Fair and enough. And we Fair wanted
3: enough. to get it anyway and and mm-hmm. uh, she was she's always been very cooperative and and helpful
1: so Gotcha. Thanks cool, to her cool. as well. Yeah well you know as like I said I mean John didn't hasn't unfortunately done a lot with a lot of other artists but you mentioned Harry uh earlier and um you know I was wondering what it was like to talk with him and then talk a little bit about the 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 Pussycats album that they that they work on because we know that's also the last time uh John and Paul have worked in a a studio Mm -hmm. together as well during those sessions.
3: Right yeah Harry unfortunately he kept telling me you'll never do this it's an impossible task um you know you're never going to gather all the information i think you're wasting your time he was very dismissive and then um i just kept bugging him you know sometimes you gently knock and knock and knock and then sometimes you bang if you're desperate and sometimes you just give up
1: right
3: but in this case he said well send me what you got send me an outline let me take a look at it so i did And he got back with me and he said, you know what, on second thought, this is a hell of an idea. This is a great idea. I think, you know, I'm willing to help. He said, let me look this over and I'll get back with you with some information. And that had to do, essentially, my questions to him were about his recordings and the ones that John and Ringo had contributed to. I needed a little bit more uh, uh, information as far as studios, recording dates, and nailing down some contributions that Ringo had made on song. And he said, "I'll call me in about a week." Well, a week later, I pick up the news and Harry Nelson's dead. Mm. And I can't tell you, sadly, it was got to be a little scary at times. How many times people, in the midst of my research, Nikki Hopkins was another one that uh uh, passed away and uh, there were others uh, that i was either in the process of getting hold of or got a hold of and they were going to get back to me and uh, they passed away so Mm -hmm. i didn't always get there in time right and probably i'm guessing i haven't gone through but i would guess at least a third of the artists in this new chapter this new book have probably passed you know, right. and, and that's just
1: it's age
3: and oh. yeah, unfortunate. But I mean, like you know, I think Jack Bruce, and Ginger Baker, but you know, they're eight, nine, ten years older than I am. They they would be in their late seventies, early eighties, so it's to be right. expected. But by the same token, it's it's kind of sad that a lot of these people with all this history and knowledge in their heads are are no longer with us. So yeah. it. That information is no longer accessible.
1: Right. Um, one of the one of the artists that I think you mentioned in the new book that was fortunate enough to work with, you know, three of them is Steve Lukather. Uh, you know, recording <laughs> um, and you know, playing live with with George Harrison, which I think was a last minute uh, thing, according to the story. I think it right. was, Talk about that.
3: Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, he he'd met George, and um, they kind of. Uh, he said there's he started to name off all the musicians he told George that he'd work with Paul and he said we're having this Jeff Beccaro tribute uh, in a couple of nights and he Steve started to rattle off all the big names that were going to be there which were considerable Mm -hmm. and he said you're welcome to show up if you want never Mm -hmm. really expecting George who we just met to show up sure enough just before the show and they're back you know uh rehearsing with a little help from my friends which is the joe cocker version version uh, uh there's a knock on the back door and uh, one of steve's assistants or roadies or whoever comes to steve and said there's a friend of yours here at the back door from liverpool <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know if he can come in and play and so right. it was george and so uh, uh. george made a comment about that's not how the lads and i used to play that song but whatever so George he didn't sing on it but he did come out and the crowd went crazy and he right. played guitar on with a little help from my friends and as a result of that the two kind of hung out socially and there's a great story where uh, George comes over to Steve's house and Steve, of course, is telling me, you know, I wanted to ask him for his autograph, but you know, it's not cool for
2: some, right. you know,
3: a fellow yeah. musician to do that. Right. So I said, would you sign this for my son, you know? And <laughs> and, uh, and George says, sure. And George signs his name. And then George looks at Steve and says, would you like me to sign the other three lads signatures as well? <laughs> Steve said, what do you mean? And George says, well, we all learned how to sign each other's names. <laughs> out of necessity so he says george signed paul and, and ringo and john's signatures perfectly
1: That's <laughs> awesome.
3: <laughs> and he said george used to come to la and he'd just rent old beat-up station wagons and he and donnie would drive around and yeah. wouldn't have any bodyguards or anything and he says one time he drove george this was when the anthology series was being released and free as a bird or whatever Uh, and he said they drove by the Capitol Towers, and there were these huge cutouts on the top of the tower at the Capitol Tower, and he says, George was just, oh, my God. He says, look at that. I can't believe they did that, you know, and he (laughs) apparently was just appalled by this, these giant beetle cutouts uh, on top, and then there's another great story that Steve told about. They were just around jamming with Jeff Lynn and George and I think Keltner might have been there. Hmm. And they're just, they're playing around and Steve played that odd piano chord that's in I Want to Tell You. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, George, according to Steve, George turned to him and said, that's an unusual chord. Where did you ever come up with that chord? <laughs> and Steve turned to him and he says, there's a song called I Want to Tell You. You wrote it. You should know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I wonder if he was just being sarcastic about that.
3: <laughs> no, I think George was dead serious, but Steve um, was being sarcastic. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, That's and then Steve funny. Steve talked about the Michael Jackson session, and, right. and there's a, another drop of an unreleased song. Apparently, during those sessions, they jammed on a version of uh, um, I Was Made to Lover, Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Paul sang and uh, the guys from Toto and uh, Michael. Really? And Steve said Quincy Jones recorded everything so he says, I gotta believe that there's a recording of it somewhere.
1: it's It's absolutely amazing when you find out how much or how many albums Steve Lukather is on it's oh my god hundreds mind-blowing. <laughs> How much, you know, how many solos he did in the, yeah, in, the yeah. in the 80s and into the 90s for other artists, you know, running with the night for Lionel Richie, we know about physical for Olivia, I mean, just so yeah. many different, yeah. you know, things, um, you know, doing a Paul podcast, I got to talk to you about a little bit about Paul, because I, you know, of the three he's probably given uh no maybe maybe Ringo's done. I know Ringo's done a lot too, but maybe Paul has done the most for, for other artists. Um, what were some of your favorites? I know you talked about best love, you know, on Ken's show a couple weeks ago when you when you were with him. Um, but you know, stuff like My Soul and Fourth of July, I mean for John Christie are just some of you know my favorites. But uh, what what are some of your favorites that that Paul has done uh given or or done for other artists?
3: Well, I loved mostly the songwriting. Uh, he did two songs for Ivory, which have never been released, which was an obscure band. That was kind of an exclusive of me in my, in my last book. I tracked these guys down in Barbados. And uh, uh, Paul, had, they'd kept inviting him over to their studio in Barbados. And Paul was putting him off and putting him off. And he was down there vacationing. And then one day he just showed up unannounced at their studio and they ended up uh, writing. Uh, he wrote two songs, one I think he already had written, and another one he wrote down there. And they went into the studio and recorded them there. And uh, they, Paul said, Well, you can't release these. Paul took the tapes. He said, But you can do, you can record your own version of these mm. two songs, which they did and released on a very limited local record label down in Barbados only. Mm. And uh, that's one. And I love the song that Paul the diana krall covered uh mm. for for paul uh from the uh outtake from the uh, kisses on the bottom session that's mm-hmm. a beautiful song so for me it's it's the songwriting with paul the everly brothers on the wings of a night and on yeah, the wings of a phenomenal song you know, level, yeah. Yeah. Song. Mm. You know he, taylor written for those guys you know yeah. and, a, and, a, and, a, and a hit in my opinion so when it comes to mccartney's contributions i kind of tend to go in the in the songwriting direction like you mentioned fourth of july and you know his bass playing is distinctive and his vocals are distinctive but generally he's just doing backing vocals in most cases or he's right playing a very inventive bass line but when it comes to the memorable stuff for me it's the songs that
1: he's given away that Mm -hmm. are so good yeah absolutely you know songbird in a cage is another one
3: yeah yeah I really He's a songwriter
1: <laughs> mine for even mine for me you know yeah. I just I would love to just to hear his. i mean if he i his i don't version. know if he did a uh a, a walk through of vocals for for rod but um but yeah a fun song as well but uh I love what you did for the third book because you took obviously you took the two covers and you and you mashed them uh together yeah uh, we'll talk about uh talk about the artwork and then you know the the third book as well
3: glad you brought that up the first book the photos on the cover and many inside were taken by a i'm from bay city michigan
2: oh, and on a, a fellow
3: michigan. base in perth place in madonna so um and they're born in the same hospital oh, wow. uh, a good friend of mine by the name of tom burke became a very famous uh, celebrity photographer in fact he did a couple of covers for ringo on singles um, and he's, he was, a, he's since passed, but he did, uh, things. He was a good friend of, uh, Dwayne Eddy's and did the, uh, Dwayne Eddy photo on the 12 inch rockestra, uh, mm-hmm. single that Paul played on. And so Tom Bert was a good friend and he donated all of those photos and he designed, he and a friend of his designed that cover for my first book. And the idea was to to kind of have the film strips, you know, where you had to hold them up Mm -hmm. to the light to see who was really there. And then the second cover was uh, the paintings were done by a friend of mine who painted uh, a a painting of the all-star band, the the British all-star band and gave it to David Fishoff, who we both knew. And Ringo loved the painting and took the painting away from David. (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, this individual, Richard Long, who did these paintings of the Beatles, also did one of Barbara Bach from her uh, role in the James Bond film mm. and presented that to Ringo at uh, Pine Knob backstage. That's where that photo, the front of the book, was taken with that artist and myself and Ringo. So what I wanted to do was incorporate local people, being that I was from Bay City and these, this photographer and this artist were from Bay City. I incorporated them in the first two books and then decided, well, for the third book, doesn't it make sense to let the buyer or the reader or my fan base know that this new book is really a combination of the first two, plus mm-hmm. something new. By seeing it visually, it, it reacquaints them with the first two books and still includes the, the concept with the Beatles with the sunglasses on as being you know undercover and right yeah so that was that was the idea that the publisher and i came up with let's try to rather than come up with a new cover let's try and combine the covers of the first two
1: books yeah no that's great yeah i like that idea so then let's say you know the, the next 10 years Paul and Ringo are contributing to other artists. Don't I mean, say this, that. This is it. <laughs> this is it. Or don't say or that. Get, get, I uh... swore
3: the last book that that was it. And but you know, I'll be. It seems like every ten to twelve years is when there's time for an update. But I gotta believe with the two surviving Beatles being eighty plus, that they they're gonna be winding down, and they're not only in their own careers, but in their contributions. And I will be in 10 or 12 years, God willing, in my 80s, and they will be in their 90s. So I really don't realistically foresee, you know, volume four, I guess, never say never. But uh, at this stage of the game, it seems remote.
1: Okay, understood. Well, I, I thank you a million times over for these books. I, again, I cherish them, and they're a big help. Um, you know, if if again, if you want information about you know work that the the four have done for other artists, these are the books uh, to own. And uh, you know, again, this was just a treasure trove of information. So we all thank you.
3: Thank you, and for anyone who's interested in the book, all they have to do is email me. It's yep. an easy email to remember, especially if you're a Beetle fan. It's six two seven zero. Remember those two dates 62 to 70 that's when the Beatles right. were signed yeah. to EMI and uh the greatest hits packages the red and the blue set Yep. so it's yep. 6270 at charter.net
1: excellent very
3: easy okay. to remember you can email me you can get a signed copy and uh we'll be on our way I just do everything through
1: PayPal that's okay and well I'm sure we will all that yeah all that, uh, yeah, all that information will me? be
2: in the description box so, great uh, so Ken back to you yeah. First of all, I just want to say again, thank you, Chris, for all this tremendous work you've done. I do want to say never say never for that fourth book. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> i already there to help you. With the
3: yeah. the I'll probably round. need it by then. <laughs>
1: the final
2: for the book. Keep undercover. Yeah.
1: Yeah yeah
2: there you
1: go there you go (laughs) well let's hope
3: if nothing else even if i don't do another book that the two surviving Beatles continue to uh make contributions to these other fine artists new and old because i think it's it speaks volumes about their their time their talent and their generosity
2: absolutely and i like what what kid and tom said not only did they work with big names but they worked with
3: nobody's yeah
2: yeah It tells you sometimes they just want to be or in the studio helping out other people. Yep. And I also want to point out and thank you for saying what you said about everything from the Beatles is one work, the group and the solo. Mm. I think the book altogether now instilled that in me. The fact mm-hmm. that one book you've got group, solo, the work for other people, <clears throat> recording artists, everything really. Yeah. Um, it's more the work of John, Paul, George, and Ringo with whoever you know. we're working with right
3: each next. other or themselves or a whole host of other musicians
2: yeah mm. i do want to mention just a few of the uh, songs here that we didn't uh get to before but um you know we brought up fourth of july which i got to tell you throughout the 70s ever since i got all together now every year at beetle fest <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we didn't have the internet then But, you know, Mm -hmm. what a joy it was to finally discover it. And little did we know that Paul had the demo that he put out on Mm -hmm. uh, Venus and Mars. But for people who still, I I, I can't assume everybody knows all these songs that we're talking about. The story behind how that song came about for John Christie?
3: Well, you know, first of all, up until this latest edition, I had banged my head against the wall trying to track down John Christie. Not a lot. There was not a lot to find on him. I knew he was from Australia. That was about all I knew about him. Yeah. I knew that he had been signed to Dick Clark and I knew that he'd worked on that time uh, soundtrack uh, musical with uh, Julian Lennon and, and Stevie Wonder and some other people and Dave Clark. That was as much as I'd known about him and then somehow Tom at, uh, at Sirius on the Beatle channel tracked Tom Frangioni, tracked him, him down and, and said, I got his email if you want to get a hold of him. So I emailed him. And sure enough, he gave me all the background on his career and his date of birth. And, and it was through Dave Clarks, uh, who apparently did not live far from Paul's place in St. John's Wood in London. It was Dave who knew Paul and was looking for songs for John Christie, who Dave was producing, to mm-hmm. record. So he rang up Paul and they went over to Paul's house and paul pretty much wrote the song on the spot dubbed him a demo of it took it back to john and john and dave went into i believe it was morgan studios none of which i had i didn't have any of the information prior to talking to john as to exactly when and where and who the other musicians were that uh played on that song i believe herbie flowers was one of the uh musicians who worked with George. really
2: Yeah, quite on that song
3: and a couple of other people. So I I finally was able to track john down and uh, uh, get the story on him. A similar story was a band called Mike Shannon and the strangers couldn't find anything on them for years. And apparently there were several bands called the strangers in England at the time <laughs> but this band was originally from Rhodesia which is now uh, Zimbabwe
1: Zimbabwe yeah yes
3: and um they were a, a white band from uh, uh Rhodesia who basically played in mining camps diamond mining camps around Rhodesia and then moved to South Africa where the grass was a little greener as far as gigs and then relocated to England during the height of uh, the mid-60s and uh, were signed. I got to be friends when they were touring in Germany with Billy Jake Kramer, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, I think that's who it was. And Billy told him, you know, that they were managed by NEMS and Brian Epstein and that they were looking for artists to record Lennon and McCartney songs. And that's how they ended up with One and One is Two, which had been passed on by the Silky and I think Billy J. Kramer and uh, a few other artists. And it was one of the few uh, uh, Lennon and McCartney tracks that never really charted and went anywhere. And I I think John Lennon was quoted as saying, if Billy J. Kramer ever records One and One is Two, his career is finished. (laughs) but mike shannon and the strangers recorded it the only group that did Mm -hmm. and it was an unmitigated flop so (laughs) john was apparently right in his predictions.
1: yeah the funny thing about the uh the john christie Forty-five is a, if you do flip it over, it, you know it's a big, you know, written by you know Paul and Linda McCartney. So mm-hmm. I mean, besides seeing the credit underneath the the Fourth of July on the on the on the label, um, you at least know that it was you know a, a McCartney you know right. writing.
3: Right, and it was on capitals, so that right you, yeah they could do that. Obviously, if it had been on a competing label, mm-hmm. they would have had trouble promoting you know, McCartney's name on there, I suppose. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And that Maybe song th- was, it was released on July 4th, mm. 1970. So mm. was, did Dave Clark say to Paul, can you write a song for July 4th? It-
3: you know, I don't know if that was, <laughs> I suppose that once he wrote that song, they probably figured, you know, opportune mm-hmm. time to release it, but in right. England, and then the song, yeah. I'm Good not point had a very limited i think there's more promo copies of that 45 in the u.s than there are commercial copies and and so you would think if you were going to release it anywhere and push it or promote it it would be in the u.s not in the uk but
2: right Hmm. well i've been playing that song on my show since the 80s so yeah, it's
3: a a catchy tune
2: (laughs) it is um I know Tom mentioned Lindsay Pagano, which is really, you know, kind of interesting how all of a sudden there's an unknown
3: circumstance, you know, right place, right time. They both yeah. happened to be in the same studio at the same time. She was a young artist, you know, recording her first album. And uh, Paul was there recording. I think the Driving Rain album is what he was mm-hmm. recording at the time and uh, met her in the hallway. And of course, you know, she knew who he was and she was all giggly and uh and paul came in the studio and and knew the producer and and said you know i got this song that might work for her which was so bad and then apparently she was gone for a few days from the studio and paul came in and, and laid down some i think bass on the track as well
0: right
3: so um you know, and, and I think probably helped produce. And I forget, I so, trying to remember things from my book is kind of like trying to memorize the yeah. Bible.
0: No, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There's a lot there. <laughs> There's a lot backing there.
3: And,
1: vocals too.
3: Yeah. Backing vocals, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, but that's typical of Paul. Paul, unlike Ringo, Ringo will come in and just lay down his drums usually, or George would come in and lay down a slide solo guitar yeah. bit. But Paul tends to be a little bit more hands-on. He'll come in you know, and if he likes something, he might play piano on it, he might play drums on it, he might play bass on it, he might sing on it, all of the above. So, you know, when you see a McCartney contribution, oftentimes it's more than just one specific contribution. It's right. usually a, a, a fairly involved, hands-on kind of contribution.
2: Right. Mm. Like my old friend. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's forever to be released. <laughs> too. Mm-hmm. too you know. yeah. Kept hearing about that year after year.
3: Yeah. And several different versions of it too.
2: Well, that's funny
1: because I was, we just did a show on the, uh, the 74 Rolling Stone interview with McCartney and the interviewer is talking about Bruce McMouse. You know, mm-hmm. so in seventy four, you know, January of seventy four, you're going, oh, this new project, Bruce mouse this animated show, and then you end up not getting it. <laughs>
3: so, yeah, till like what, know, what three years ago? Arc- sure. Yeah, quite <laughs> <Flight> delay. <away.
1: Yeah. laughs> right. Yeah.
3: Come on with those archive series, Paul. We gotta get right. those yeah. out. Mm.
2: Well, I sure hope "It's a Wonderful Life" doesn't have the same fate. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. Waiting uh, yeah. on that one. Yeah, <laughs> we have been waiting on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, since it was mentioned earlier, I think uh, you mentioned it, Chris. The Dwayne Eddy album really is one I treasure. The, the yeah. instrumental theme for something really important is such a great instrumental with George Harrison on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, Rock Esther was done with Paul. Yep. Uh, Jeff Lynn was involved with the album.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, and, and
3: George was, you know, I mean, they were all big fans of Dwayne Eddy, but George, you know, in particular. Yeah. Because, you know, fellow guitar players and, uh, and Dwayne had always been a, he cherishes when you talk to him, he just cherishes those two encounters, both Paul and with, uh, with George. So that, that's a special, some special recordings and they did some other songs, I forget the song, it's mentioned in the book that they took a stab at one of uh, George's songs that I believe Dwayne was going to play on the Cloud Nine album that they didn't end up using because Mm. I didn't feel that Dwayne's guitar playing fit with the song. But Mm. I believe that uh, Dwayne was also played on a couple, or at least one track for the Cloud Nine album that that Mm. didn't end up on it. So maybe Donnie's listening and he'll decide to release it if there's any uh, recordings around of it. All right, I
2: just have a couple more left. All right. Uh, People might be surprised to know that Paul worked with Michael Bublé.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he thought that probably Michael's vocals would be perfect for "My Valentine,"
2: Mm.
3: which you know is one of McCartney's most underrated songs, in my opinion. That is just an absolutely beautiful song, and I'm surprised that it wasn't more of a hit and didn't get more notice. And I think Paul probably was too, and maybe was thinking, you know, maybe if somebody like Michael Bublé uh covered it it might have some legs
0: hmm.
3: um and then it's a f- pretty funny story too of how when paul showed up and uh in the studio to help him produce it and how that all came about but i'll say hmm. that for, for people to read the book
2: <laughs> yes to okay. the book read the book. don't give no.
1: all the secrets away
3: spoiler alert <laughs> right <laughs>
2: It's a and, and you're not going to talk about this because you did on my channel right. and watch that interview something you said about all those years ago oh yeah it's revealed in your book um well yeah uh, yes i remember that yes you
1: have to
3: read the book To uh, i probably shouldn't have given that one away to you uh, Ken. but yeah you'll have to read the book to find out but the the all those years ago um Started out quite differently than what it ended up being. Let's just yeah. leave it.
0: At. Okay.
2: okay. And yeah. and
3: because of Al Cooper.
2: Yeah. More yeah. than anyone else. Yeah. It's a great story. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Um, talking for some.
0: Yeah. Oh, I just want to mention. I, I forgot to mention in my questions. So I think it's it's important to point this out. There are some wonderful photos in here, um, and particularly ones with you. with with some some pretty amazing musicians and uh and i just wondered if you could uh just mention one that you know uh, uh, one of your favorite i'll I'll tell you
3: i'll tell you and and because people that know me know this i've been a avid photographer my whole life and i hate the the main reason that i love taking photos is because i hate being in them and the only reason i'm in all those photos was to validate in the book the fact right. that i had actually met these people and talked to them and interviewed them for the book but i in many of the photos where i'm not seen i cut my my photo out one in particular which is my favorite one is the one of alice cooper with reading <laughs> my second book that's that's just a great photo of alice because he still got all his stage makeup on mm. and that was taken here in bay city on his tour bus uh and he's, he's a wonderful guy. He's a fun guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of my favorite photos because he's he's got my second book and he's just got this surprised look on his face. It's under the <laughs> Hollywood vampires yes. right section. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Then the one, of course, with Ringo and my friend Richard. And uh, there, there's other ones throughout uh, the book, but uh, the one with Les Paul is one of my favorites.
0: So that's another, I just I just didn't want to stand without mentioning yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I
3: grew up on that wonderful. music. My parents used to play Les Paul and Mary Ford, you know, and Sinatra and Tony Bennett and show tunes. So that was the music I grew up on. And then the Everly Brothers came along and I got hooked on them. And then the Four Seasons and the Beach Boys and then the British Invasion. And away we mm-hmm. went.
2: Yeah. I think for many of us, we all experience those same artists along the way with my parents bringing me up on big band and the great crew yeah. yep.
0: you
2: know me too as a little kid i heard all that pre-beatle stuff too and i love mm-hmm. much of it a little infant absorbing the four seasons and yeah. <laughs> of course
3: i hated hated sinatra all through my teens and 20s and I've, i <laughs> there's probably you know at least 300 Frank Sinatra recordings in my collection. Uh-huh. Yeah, So, you know, I'm a big Sinatra fan, but I wasn't when I was young. But you listen, there's only one Frank Sinatra. There's only that voice. That voice is timeless and that voice is classic mm-hmm. and there will never be anyone, I don't care who they are, that will be or sound like Frank Sinatra. That's right.
2: This is, Absolutely. Those are the great there. that are unique. And no one's like them. Yeah. Yeah. Just one more song I want to bring. All up. right. <laughs> All right. John Wetton. Yeah. Um, Ringo actually co-wrote a song with John Wetton, who you know mm-hmm. from years in progressive rock. He was an mm-hmm. eight. So, as a songwriter, he wrote with John Wetton the song called "Real World."
3: Yep. Mm. And I wished I could have gotten to John. He died between my last book and this new book, mm. Sadly of Cancer. I would have loved to have interviewed him about that and gotten the whole backstory of how that came about. So I really don't know if anybody does know out there uh, the backstory on how Ringo came to write that song with John. I'd certainly like to know. Mm. you know. But uh, there's another one of those examples of where people passed before you could get to them and all that information is Unfortunately, probably died with them. Some Somebody may know, but a producer or a fellow musician, but uh, hmm. there's too many examples of that, unfortunately.
2: Right. But we are so grateful that you did all this work and laid it yeah. out before us. And uh, thank you. And like Tom said, treasure trove of material here. Hmm. And to have it all in one book, too. Yeah. It's amazing to have it at your disposal. I can't tell you how many times I've relied on your. Mm-hmm. Here for my radio show for every little thing. Seriously, you know, I love yeah. slipping in side projects. It's, I think it's a very important part of their history. It's not. I,
3: absolutely, it is. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. it is. I hope more people will feel that way and buy the book. Uh, but uh, as Thomas Edison once remarked, you know, as far as inventions go, it's 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration. Yeah. And that's certainly the case with a work like this it's
1: Absolutely. just a lot of work yep <laughs> chris is well, there a kindle version as well or is it just all physical
3: yeah. uh, i think there's going to be there i'm not aware that there is yet uh, somebody asked me the last time uh, if there was an audio version i think when i was on coast to coast um i'm not aware currently that there is anything other than the current paperback edition but that may okay. change with based on sales I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's up to, that's out of my hands. Anyway, that's up to the publisher.
0: Okay. So
2: cool. Yeah. All right. So why don't we wrap things up by telling all the folks that we're up to with our various shows and how you can get in contact with us. Let's start with you, Tom.
1: Well, thank you very much, Ken. As you know, as you said earlier, I mean, we're busier than ever and uh, we just, uh, Released uh, this last uh, weekend, we last we, we uh, posted a, an episode on Paul's live albums. Uh, We talked about that for a little bit, the episode before that. We uh, discussed the 1974 Rolling Stone interview with with McCartney, which is, uh, again, just like the uh, 84 Playboy interview. There's some pretty good sound bites in that that, uh, interview as well. Um, This coming Saturday will be our next episode with a YouTuber. His name is Beetley Tone. He's got a YouTube channel called Beetley Tone's uh, Beatles Channel. And uh, we we talked about... uh, um, we both gave uh, five things that we feel McCartney did right in his solo career. Uh, they could be anything, you know, with like you know, working with Nigel Godrich or suing the other three Beatles for <laughs> to get rid of Klein. Uh, it could be anything like that. Um, so obviously, there's more than five things that he got right in his solo career. But we just uh, we did our, our our five, and we're going to leave it open for uh, the fans to to uh, comment and give us their uh, opinion on that as well so again on youtube that's two legs a paul mccartney podcast please check us out and subscribe and you can email us at two legs podcast at gmail.com you can give us any kind of ideas and or comments on the show ideas for future shows and uh, we love to get your feedback so uh, please check us out
2: all right very good you're next
0: okay well first of all you can reach us uh, here at uh, well let's see we can do talkmoretalk.com mm-hmm. at our uh, at our website you can reach us uh, on our Facebook page and of course right here on our YouTube channel and please subscribe to be notified of uh, new episodes and of course you can smash that like button ring the bell <laughs> whatever the kids say now uh, right. to, uh, to be notified of uh, new episodes Uh, You can email us at uh, TalkMoreSoloTalk at gmail.com. Let us know feedback if you have ideas of topics for future episodes. Uh, You just might find it uh, in a future uh, future episode. Um, You can follow us on Twitter at TalkMoreTalk1, the number one. Uh, You can also find us uh, the Audio version of this on virtually any podcasting platform of your choice, and uh, and also you can find us on Fab4Radio.com uh, uh, thanks to Beetle Ed who plays our episodes yes. and plays many of our individual shows as well so so uh, thanks to Beetle Ed for his, uh, for his unending support of, uh, of all of our shows um, and uh, as for me uh, I will be on uh, a two part episode of When They Was Fab very soon uh, talking about Revolver and I think I'll be on some other shows as well in the near future and I will be posting and all that um on uh, my facebook page uh you can find me there um also i will be and i'll have more information on this in the very near future i'll be signing books on black friday at uh mm. my uh my local record store blue village vinyl in westmont illinois so just found out about that recently so <laughs> i will be but uh, finding uh I'll be posting more information and my uh, part two of my class that I'm teaching on the roots of rock and roll uh, will be starting in early December so I will be posting info about that so registration is open now so uh, sign up if uh, you want to t- uh, take that I'll be teaching about country folk and skiffle so mm. uh, so uh, sign up for that it'll be a lot of fun so I think cool. that's everything for now thank yep.
2: you as you can tell, Chris, these guys are on the ball. Uh, Absolutely. You can't keep up with it all. As for me, you can always get in touch with me at my email address, which is everylittlething at att.net. Speaking of every little thing, I just finished the show, which will be airing uh, starting this Friday since Revolver's <laughs> coming out. We'll have a revolver set on there without it. <coughs> and live versions of songs from Revolver done by the solo Beatles. And if you wanna know radio stations that air every little thing, you can go to my website, which is kenmichaelsradio.com. There's a page there, which lists all the radio stations that run the show, uh, the broadcast times for it with links to their websites so you can stream it. And um, also I should mention that Fairleigh Dickinson University, they actually post my shows on demand so the only way that you can listen to my my show is on demand two weeks worth of them on their website which is wfdu.fm go to their recent archives page and click on every little thing the name of my radio show on the beatles also on my podcast show things we said today our next show will be on can you guess (laughs) revolver probably be talking a lot about the outtakes and, and the remix for that. And on my own YouTube channel, it's been kind of busy lately. We just had Chris on uh, to talk about his new book and to discuss a lot of the side projects that we didn't talk about here on this show. You might wanna you know, check that one out. In addition to that, two wonderful, whose first names happen to be Lori. There's yes. Laurie Lori Jacobson, who just put out this brand new book. Top of the Mountain, the Beatles at Shea Stadium, 1965. All about everything leading up to the concert at Shea, the importance of Sid Bernstein, all that he did, uh, all the work for that, as well as the Carnegie Hall shows and everything that happened at the Shea concert, who attended it, quotes from people who were there, fans from the audience. Some of the go-go dancers are interviewed in this book. And uh, again, Laurie Jacobson, the name of the new book my new interview mm. with her. And then there's Laurie Kay. It's a very emotional interview that we yes. did. She was part of the team from the RKO Radio Network that interviewed John on December 8th at the Dakota, the very last interview that John gave. And um, so it's all about her career in radio. She actually interviewed George first, then Paul, then John. Hasn't interviewed Ringo yet.
1: But um,
2: you know, it's all about her career there, and spending a lot of time talking about that interview with John and Yoko. She will have a brand new book coming out, um, "Confessions of a Rock and Roll Name Dropper: My Life Leading Up to John Lennon's Last Interview." I have that all memorized, and that's coming out next year. Okay. Wow! Wonderful! Absolutely wonderful! Getting a lot. Great of interview, out. Ken. Yeah and uh how emotional it was you know it, it's yeah. imagine how bad it was for his fans john's family yoko sean julian she was with him hours right. before the tragedy wow. how do you deal with that yeah. but anyway that's on my uh on my youtube channel uh, ken michaels radio as always uh my website ken weekly beatles trivia i will soon be giving away ringo live at the greek theater 2019 Uh, probably as a special contest and also as part of my weekly trivia as well. So that's coming your way soon, but every single week you can win one of 10 great prizes on on the website, on my trivia page. And finally, we got Chris. And once again, you can remind everybody how they can get in touch with you.
3: Folks, you can email me at 6270 at charter.net. Easy to remember, 6270. Those were the years that the Beatles We're officially with EMI, and we're officially together. Uh, Very easy to order the book. We'll get you a signed copy ASAP. They usually go out the same day I get payment. So just email me for the details. I think you'll really enjoy the book. You will learn more about the Beatles than maybe you ever wanted to know. Certainly a different side and aspect of their career than what most people are aware of. Again, it's a book really about the Beatles' time, talent, and generosity to their fellow musicians yeah. and artists, and uh, all well, the data is there right. regarding the recordings and all the backstories regarding the day a Beatle showed up to help somebody record a song. Hmm. So hope you'll check it out. And I would I like to thank you all again, Kit, Ken, and Tom. Great job, great questions, great interview, and a great show. Oh, thank
0: you. Thank you welcome. Thank you for coming. This was,
3: oh, my pleasure.
0: Great conversation.
2: Absolutely. Anytime. It goes without saying, you are welcome here anytime you want. Unmarked Thank you. Two legs, you name it. Just Alrighty. You're a yeah. Beatle family here. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Thank you. Sure. You as well. All okay. right. Thanks again for this incredible book, Beatles Fully Uncovered, Chris Englehart. Thanks so much for being here. Thank Thanks you. to all of you for watching. Thanks to all the subscribers of our channel, the old and the new. If you haven't done so yet, please do so. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Good night.